Well, it's the day after the Superb Owl, and we've all met once again to talk to you about movies and TV, and, and maybe about the big game itself. Hi, welcome to another visit to the Awesome Village. My name is Greg, and joining me is... John. Glenn. Ryan. So, yeah, like, the Super Bowl. That happened. Yeah. That happened. It was a it was a day, uh, which by the way, Glenn, we were gonna go to your to your house, but what wound up happening was we went to go see my mom and dad, and we kind of just got tied up. My mom and dad were, were like cooking, so we were helping them with that. We had you know went up watch TV, watched like the first half of the game, and then we were just kind of tired. I, that kind of that, that was a tiring game. <clears throat> it really was. Other than the except for that uh, streaker guy. Right? I heard about that, which that was the thing. Like a lot of my attention was broken up by conversation because just I wasn't really that invested in the game. Um, this morning at work, someone said, "So I guess it's put to rest." Tom Brady, goat. I think. I think put to rest. Yeah. I mean, being the. the yeah, I mean, he's got more gems than Thanos. Well, Matthew Barry said this morning, did you see his little rant that he had this morning? Mm-hmm. He said, there is no more conversation whether he's the GOAT in professional football. It's whether or not he's the GOAT of all professional sports. That's the That's only okay. question. I mean, he has more Super Bowls than any other team in the NFL. But is that a, in a, the total indicator? That was my question for you. Who knows more about sports than I do? Well, in the, in Here's the, your thing. like the, the In general, a lot of people consider Joe Montana the greatest quarterback of all time. He had won four Super Bowls. He never lost a Super Bowl. And he never like threw an interception in a Super Bowl. He never, he like played flawlessly in four Super Bowls. Here's why I think Brady's better. Montana played in an era when there was no free agency, so like the teams stayed together longer. Like he played with Jerry Rice, the greatest receiver of all time, essentially his entire career, and he always had great. Bill Walsh was his coach, I think, for the majority of the Super Bowls. He had Roger Craig, he had all these elite players. Well, I mean, Tom Brady had Belichick. He had Belichick, but the and he was a Sith Lord, the caliber so. the caliber of players that Brady's had with him on offense. I mean, he won his first like two or three Super Bowls with like Dion Branch and David Patton. Mm-hmm. And so, is it, but is it just Tom Brady? Is it the fact that he had Gronk with him too? Is it? No, it's it's Brady. He's without question the greatest quarterback of all. I said it after he won the last one. I mean, he won six. But I mean, I do I can make the argument, and I mean, I, I still would say that Brady is the greatest. But I mean. A couple of years ago, I was arguing with a friend of mine who was actually from the New England area and saying about Brady and how he's saying Breeze is nothing compared to Brady. And I was like, well, but you can also make the argument that, yes, he won a bunch of Super Bowls, but Super Bowls are a team win, whereas Breeze has quarterback records and that's, of, that's, in every single— But that's my question. Because <laughs> when you talk about greatest in sports, like I, I think you know Michael Jordan, I would say, is yeah. undisputed in basketball. Like, there's a there's an argument being made about LeBron, LeBron now, but I mean that's 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 a that's a big argument. Well, and there's that, but like like Gretzky, greatest in hockey. There, like there's you know. What about Gordie? <laughs> greatest player in the world. Uh, but like I'd even say like like uh, someone made the point about Gretzky being one of like the greatest sports player of all time. But I think it has a lot. Like I'm looking at different types of records, and like John said, like it's a team that wins a Super Bowl. I don't you know. That may all be true, but he's won with different teams. Like it's has it's, he won with yeah. the Cleveland Browns. No, but I mean, well, Tampa they could, Bay they, was they'd like to have them. Tampa Bay was a, 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 a had a team had a losing record last year. Now they had pieces in place, but nobody thought. I I actually did think Brady was going to Tampa Bay. I told my sister, I was like, I think he's going there. They have offensive weapons. All they yeah, Brady retired last year, though he was going to come here. There was a, yeah, there was a good chance he was going to come to New Orleans, but I'm not surprised he went to Tampa Bay, and I'm not totally shocked that they won the Super Bowl. I mean, if they, he come here, would the Saints have won the Super Bowl this year? Nope. You don't like? No, nope, I don't think so. They had a lot of injuries. That's the thing about the NFL. Injuries play a big part yeah. in teams that succeed. Michael Thomas was hurt all year. And Sean Payton, like, sometimes arrogance gets in the minds of these guys. Like, even the Chiefs yesterday, I thought they, they called the game very arrogantly. The end of the first half, why are they calling timeouts? 
because they so arrogantly believe they can stop Tom Brady and get the ball back, and it enabled them to score another touchdown before the end of the first half. I mean, coaches get arrogant in these games. But, I mean, when it gets to games where, like, I don't have a particular rooting interest, because I really like Tom Brady. I've always loved him. And I like Patrick Mahomes. I just was rooting for a good game, and I did not get that. No, that was a bore. It wasn't boring. Game. It was the Bucks spanked the the Chiefs. That's all it was. I mean, it was. What did y'all think of the weekend? I mean, it was I, I enjoyed the performance. Yeah. yeah, I thought the sound was screwed up. See, we were talking about that because Heather said the same thing. Like, I, it's it's almost like they they don't whoever's the sound mixer or sound engineer for the NFL every year. It's like the sounds shitty. It just it only he sounded like he. Well, that's what I'm saying. They always play it below what like, the music. Is. I know that was what was weird. Like. The rest of the sound sounded okay, but his volume just seemed really low, and it, it took away from the performance. To me. Did I hear correctly though that like he paid for the performance himself? He, yeah. he, he put up seven million dollars. <clears throat> well, I don't know where that seven million dollars in fireworks. Maybe it was all those jock straps that all the guys were wearing on their faces, and the Death Star that yeah. rose above the stadium at that one at one point. That was that was kind of awesome. I also like when he was uh, when he was kind of running around looking for something in in the. The room of lights. That that was pretty cool for a cool. minute, but it, it went too long, and I, I got like people were getting dizzy watching that. But uh, yeah, I mean, then they, had, uh, they probably would have found um, our old buddy from the theater, Jeff, passed out on the floor with his arms crossed from watching Stir of Echoes. Yeah, hypnotize him. Um, you know, as usual, the commercial disappointed. There were a couple good ones, but there was a. I'm telling you, did you see? Did you watch the Scientology commercial? Mm-hmm. I did. Yes. And, yes. and that, when I actually saw it after you told me about it. I think I did see that during the Super Bowl, and I just I didn't did realize too. it was Scientology. I, I didn't either, but it's like it was—it's so insidious. Like it literally is a, a, a commercial about people living their lives. Someone has a Scientology shirt. They show people working. None of them are psychologists. Somebody went on the, was on the cans. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, they, they show the cans. I was like, that's the only Scientology thing that's in there, yeah. and the symbol. And then at the end, it's like, are you curious? No, Leah yeah. Remini told me all I need to know. So interestingly enough, when you mentioned that, I went to YouTube to look it up, and um, I watched the thing, and then I immediately went to the comments. And if if any anyone in this world has been to YouTube, it doesn't matter what you post. It could be a, a, a video of the resurrection of Jesus. There's still going to be negative people commenting on it. Almost, I'd say 98% of the comments were all positive about how this was so inspiring, and I was like... Fucking Scientology is censoring their comments. So I put a comment on it that said, where's Shelly Miscavige? It's still there. I don't know for how long. Oh, we need to check check that now. <laughs> I checked it before we recorded. It's still, it, was, it was still there. But I noticed a couple other negative comments since I had posted mine. So I don't think their, okay, let's, their, let's their social media person may not uh, be up to date on the, the last 24 hours. of. Uh, he may have been just instructed just to monitor it for the first 24 hours of the commercial being released. All right, that one. it's that one. No, I, I read. Right, you may you may hear it play. I don't. I'm not. It's not my intention, but yeah, we don't want. I'm going to lower down here. So well, yeah, I, let me, I read uh, something that um, look who's talking it. is actually Scientology <clears throat> propaganda. Wait, what is the movie? Look who's talking. How is that? Because you know they they say that like the Thetans are like old, like the old souls that magnificent. Inhabit the bodies. I have sudden urge to drink some Kool Aid. Yeah, see, they got a little bit more negative ones since <clears throat> I saw that. So. And and that's how that's how Mikey was so like old and worldly and was able to comment on everything because that was his state and actually talking. Are you serious? When, when did you make this? Because I'm not seeing your comment, dude. Uh, I don't know. It was earlier in the afternoon. Let me look on my because mine will pull up my. Oh, they're not like necessarily in order. So yeah, no, it's weird. It's all hell, YouTube man? and their crazy algorithms. <clears throat> but someone he, responded in the Russian language. 
Nice. It's all oh, the letters that look like chemical symbols. I, 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 it was six hours ago. It's still there on my page, but I mean that may just be for my benefit. They may have taken it off for all I know. So, any other commercials, y'all? I really like the Shaggy one. That one was hilarious. It was pretty funny. The the Big Bird one with um, the V Diggs was funny. Oh, that yeah, was, that was, that was really very good. cool. Mm-hmm. I also I like the one with all the the Bud Light. I was gonna mention people. that one, yeah. That one was pretty. Um, cool. However, I still it still sticks in my ass that they they changed it to Real Men of Genius instead of Real American Heroes because <laughs> of nine eleven. Yeah. The um, the Jason Alexander hoodie was funny. That was hilarious, especially because the Greatest American Hero theme song was playing the whole time. There was a bunch of uh, Paramount commercials, and I remember Paramount we, play. We we, the, we did live with the Beavis and Butthead for probably about ten minutes. Yeah. Paramount blew the the budget. On well, I don't know. Did they? It was Even, on CBS. It was on CBS. Uh, so I don't know if they had to pay for it. I think anything. the worst one was for that uh, that vegan milk. I didn't see that, that one. That guy oh, he's playing a, keyboards. He was the CEO of the company. Playing keyboards in a field, singing horribly. Well, 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 so I read something about that, that that might have been on purpose because as soon as that ad aired, that oat milk or whatever, mm-hmm. on their website, they were selling um, sweatshirts that said oat milk, the worst Super Bowl ad ever, and they sold out immediately. Which is a shame, because if you've never had oat milk, it's actually delicious. Okay. So. You should have some, Ryan. Like yeah. Now. yeah, I don't I don't see your comment. Well, they may have taken it off. And I read something that said something about the Mountain Dew commercial. was oh, like the watermelon, right? With the well, freaking John Cena. That was a terrible one, too. But it, but it said something about that was the most viewed one online. After because they have some kind of, that uh, stupid thing where you had to count the amount of Mountain Dews falling out the back of the car. you can win a million dollars. Wow, that's actually pretty smart. Yeah. What do you think about watermelon Mountain Dew? Are you intrigued? Uh, Not really. Yeah. Uh, watermelon. I've had it. Watermelon's always been kind of a girly flavor to me. It's uh, they they had they were selling it at Walmart, and Heather got it. I, I don't know what she thought it was, but it's like yeah, the watermelon Mountain Dew. She's like, what water? I'm like the one you bought, Those and it's the, actually pretty delicious. Did she think it was code red. <clears throat> I, th- I think she thought it was just like a strawberry or something. Watermelons are the best uh, now and later. I don't know. Maybe I don't. I don't recall. Um, but. I love the Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah, I think that might have been my favorite. That's the only one that I went back and rewatched. Yeah. That was really the only like real TV. Show they didn't really have too many. They had the, well, that, the Damn Nightshawn one. Yeah, old, old. Which that that looked interesting. Yeah. It's based on a, off of a graphic novel called Sandcastles. Intriguing. Yeah, Sandcastles in the Sand. <laughs> but um, yeah, um, kind of a forgettable Super Bowl now. <laughs> I did. I did win some money from a football pool. I heard. Yeah. Congrats. Yeah. We need it one year. Like do prop bets. Like the the like. There's like an over under on on how long the the anthem's well, I mean, gonna be. Right, so yeah. I, had a, I had a thing that I, I printed out and we we had there and I mean it was like fifty something questions about like, will this person score a touchdown? That's sort of like who's gonna win the um who's gonna win the coin toss? What's it gonna be? Is the kickoff gonna be a touchback? Uh, that sort of thing. Whatever. We we all we all played that last night. I won. Glenn, very close behind me. Did you win any money? No, we didn't put any did, money on it. They did it for funsies, right? He got bragging rights. Didn't count. It was fun. Well, another thing that we're going to do for funsies is we, we like to try food here. And right. John had brought an assortment of meats that uh, were cooked yesterday. Well, well, give a shout out to the... Um, yeah, we got a, I got a king cake from uh, Bywater Bakery. And this is not a normal king cake that you get. This is a savory king cake. Looks like a regular king cake, but instead of the... Uh, the colored stuff on top being colored sugar, it was colored Parmesan cheese, and it was like a garlic butter brioche bread, and this like really good crawfish filling on the inside. It was delicious. So, it was very good. Bywater Bakery, check them out. They've got some other. Uh, there's also a spinach artichoke one and a um, and a boudin savory king cake, and then they've got a whole bunch of different uh, like regular king cakes with various kinds of filling or traditional. Good stuff though. Yeah, we had an interesting king cake last night. 
Yeah, yeah. I'd gotten it from um, <coughs> Little Jay's Donut Shop in Harahan, Louisiana. Um, this is I pass it every day going to work, and I heard that they had a very good um, Chantilly King cake. So I got it, and it, it was it was very heavy. It was very good, though. but it was delicious. I mean, it just it had like the a little bit of donut flavoring because it was from a donut shop, but it wasn't overly sweet. It had all the fresh berries and like the regular like cream cheese kind of icing on it. It was, yeah. it, 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 it was Sa- good. Sandra made a roast. It was really good. I I made like a assortment of sausages that I grilled, and I way overbought. So we had some sausages tonight too. Yeah. My mother made red be- red beans and rice. She made stuffed bell peppers, and she made a king cake like chantilly cake like her own way though and i can only describe it as just she had one layer that was lemon one that was strawberry it was it was evil oh good good stuff but we also have here this is the main event the main event this is the only reason i'm here for the podcast this week yeah otherwise he would not well the the, we got so i went to when i was doing my my shopping for my sausages the other day um they had a big oreo display at the winn dixie and there was one here that I'd, we hadn't heard of before, so we got this one. That's the the chocolate with hazelnut filling. It looks kind of like a Nutella. That looks pretty good. But they also had the pink pack of the Lady Gaga Oreos. And interesting enough, it says on the bag, this cookie my, is my, inspired my, my, my. by Chromatica, her album. I don't know how a cookie inspires. I don't know, but we're just looking at the outside of it. It's they're they're pink cookies with green filling. I'm, I am just. As I open this up, and we're about to taste this, I'm just imagining mm-hmm. this has got to be what Lady Gaga tastes like. Wow, that's okay. <laughs> Does it have to be? It has to be. It's a, is that a requirement? I don't. I mean, it's not they, a when you say that, are you talking about something like like just strangely sexual or like like cannibalistically? Uh, yeah, oh, no, not, not cannibalistically. Okay. I'm always sexual. Yeah, because um, okay. I mean that's Army Hammer. He's pretty much yeah, kicked no. out of Hollywood because so of that. They kind of look like Mardi Gras balloons. It yeah. smells like vanilla. It's got just a regular Oreo logo on one side, and it's got mine's got like a kind of a heart thing on the other side. I have the Chromatica. I got Chromatica. Logo. Mine looks like um, House Targaryens. Oh, it does. Yeah. All right, let's taste right. that. Oh, are we, gonna, are we just bite into it? Or are we gonna? We're gonna. I, I, I know. You, I know for, for the first one, we'll do you it. you do you. I know you like to go for the cream filling, but I like to just bite it. They're extremely crunchy. Mm-hmm. Like Lady Gaga. Is she crunchy? I don't know. There's a lot of speculation to the left of me right now. This tastes very vanilla. Yeah. And by, by vanilla, I think you mean plain, too, because it's not... No, I mean, it's it's good. I'd eat these. I mean, but compared to a regular Oreo... These would be awesome with a big glass of milk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, wouldn't all Oreos, though? Yeah. yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. fair point. I mean, they kind of taste like the golden Oreos. Golden Oreos, yeah. Yeah, definitely tastes like golden Oreos. Good job, Lady Gaga. I knew you would taste delicious. Eh. All right. Now let's try it. Um, the hazelnut. I'm not really into this one because it's too much chocolate. You shut your fucking mouth. It's too much. All right. All right. Chin chin. Chin chin. Oh, it's too much chocolate. You're too much chocolate. I think I like the Gaga. I mean, it's not bad, but it's a lot of chocolate. You're wrong. This, this one almost needs milk. Mm-hmm. It's a little too rich. It's dead. It's mm. too much. It's too much. It's not, I mean, it's good. It's a cookie. I'm, I'm going to eat it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cookie. I'm going to eat it. I'm, I'm voting Lady Gaga over the hazelnut. That would be a fun idea for a tournament if we got eight different kinds of Oreos and we actually ate them and voted. Actually, I wonder if we made like a, a sandwich with one of each. Oh my God. It'd probably be like 
perfect mix of vanilla and chocolate. Would you want the cream from both on it, or like just the cream from one? Like take the hazelnut and put it inside the Gaga cookie? I don't know. It's so many possibilities. They're endless. <laughs> the future is now. <laughs> the world may never be the same. Greg's diving in for yeah. yeah. I, I guess Greg votes on the hazelnut. I do. It has been voted. It, it I'm going to have one of each. Yeah. I'm going to eat more of Gaga. Yeah, I'm going for Gaga. You, you eat more of that Gaga. I'm eating the one with her Oh, I got, an, I got another house Targaryen. I got one I got her. a chromatic on this one. I got her heart. <laughs> Mine just say Oreo. <laughs> I'm going to Teddy kid you be this one. All right, so while we eat these Oreos, what else we got to talk mm-hmm. about? Well, I think we should start, just because the other stuff we have to talk about is, is new. Let's dive into WandaVision immediately. Well, I can't even talk about that. That was some crazy shit. Um, this episode so you're glad you stuck with the show there, right? Yeah, again. Yeah, this cemented my, uh, my my desire to watch it. What the? F- I'm doing what we just talked about. I just took the I just took the hazelnut out of the the hazelnut Oreo and I'm putting it in the cookie part of the the Gaga Oreo. I think Greg's just fascinated that it didn't fall apart. That the the whole thing. You came know out. what? I've done this shit before. The the Lady Probably Gaga ones are kind of like Vision Oreos. They do look like Vision. They do. Although the other ones kind of look like Nick Fury. There you go. Ah. Um. All right, so I'm not even gonna waste. That. We're we're gonna talk about spoilers, Greg. You gotta explain to me what the hell is going on in, in, this, in this show at the end. Um. All right. Spoiler alert from WandaVision. Yeah. Um. And I, I don't know how you're going to avoid these spoilers because it's just, they're posting it all over. My wife everywhere. hadn't watched it yet, and I was like, you know what? I got to watch it because the spoilers are everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, it ends with the doorbell ringing. Um, that extra about her brother. And and she looked surprised and said, that wasn't me. She mm-hmm. didn't create the doorbell ring. And behind, like we see from behind, what looks very clearly like Quicksilver. And when it turns around, it is Quicksilver. But it is a recast of Quicksilver. It is the X-Men unit, the 20th Century Fox version of Quicksilver. Evan Peters. Evan Peters. So, um, yeah. Uh, Which I still find it funny that the two Quicksilvers were best friends and kick-ass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. So has, has Wanda created a, like, she opened up the multiverse? I think that's part of it. They keep talking about the cosmic background radiation. Keep talking about it. I have a theory. Go for it. What's your theory, dude? All right, so they've already said that um, Elizabeth Olsen is going to be in Doctor Strange 2, which is called Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. What if... I think Doctor Strange is showing up at some point in the show. And what if Doctor Strange wanted Quicksilver... Like, the only one that can get through to Wanda is her brother. He's dead over here. Let me go to this other reality where... Quicksilver's still alive and get him to go talk to her. It's possible. I the, other, the other thing is that the twins, she even says, why won't you do what I say? So part of her knows she's controlling everything and then Agnes's reaction to, you want to take it from the top or you want to like... That was creepy as hell. Right. Um, so I like that they're kind of like really leaning into the everyone knows that this is strange and we're actually now getting like intercuts between what's going on outside and what's going on in there. Yeah. And I kind of like it that in the Westview reality, we're almost kind of like on the same page as Vision, where we're discovering the same stuff at the same time as Vision. Mm-hmm. Like we're kind of 
on this, like I said, we're almost seeing things through his point of view. It did, uh, it did make me chuckle, though. The theme song was very Family Ties mm-hmm. 80s, and appropriately so. Yeah. Vision. Mm-hmm. Well, it was like the, the um, drawing of the family was very Family Ties. The theme song reminded me of Growing Pains. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like the progression of Baby Vision into Adult Vision. Yeah, and, um, and they had a couple of shots that were very clearly full house. Well, as amazing as the like the, sh- the show is, it makes me kind of wonder why the hell I watched sitcoms <laughs> back then because the jokes are very much in line with those types of sitcoms, but they're kind of purposefully terrible. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's that's how they that's were. That's the best they had to offer back then. I know. The Hogan family. But, yeah, I like Baby Vision. It, uh... Yeah, like th- this episode I, again. I don't know where the show is going or what it's going to be like. But the little her coming out of Westview that was bad. That was that. Yeah, yeah. that that whole sequence that might have been my favorite scene. In the Very Magneto esque. Yes. Yeah. And she, when she got upset, her Segovian accent slipped out. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that w- that was awesome. Um, the commercial was for Lagos, which was this might be the darkest one yet if you thought, look into it because. The opening of Civil War was her accidentally killing all those people in Lagos. And it was like, when you need to clean up a mess that you didn't mean to make in the first place. And they were like, cleaning oh, up red, wow. they were cleaning up red liquid everywhere. I didn't know that. Yeah, they said all the commercials have some sort of significance. It's all about her trauma with her, if you look at it. Mm-hmm. We also get the, what would have been the post-credit sequence of Endgame with her actually breaking into Steel Vision's body. Mm-hmm. Which I think Sword... That organization was doing something weird with Vision because they talked about how they were doing stuff with nanotech and AI and like I don't know if they were trying to rebuild him or recreate him or they were doing something with the, with him that it's probably gonna be a scan be scandalous. Well, we'll see. We have uh, another episode coming this week, and and I was just not- telling the guys before, right before you got here, it's kind of cool that we're gonna get the series or season finale. We're gonna get the last Wandavision. Then we'll have one week, and then we get the premiere of Falcon and Winter Soldier. Let's see what Phase 4 has to bring. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Resident Alien. So, me and John both watched this. Yeah, it's on on sci-fi. It stars Alan Tudyk. Yes. As, well, the the character was a, a doctor that just... Vacationed at this like little cabin that he had up in this mountain town in Colorado. Harry Vanderspiegel. Harry Vanderspiegel, and an alien crashed his spaceship right by there, and right by his his house went in and kind of attacked him and killed him, and then took his his like his what he looks like, and then taught himself how to speak by watching Law and Order on on TV, and uh, he was, and he's been spending his time just trying to find part of his spaceship and then all suddenly there was a murder in the little town and the doc the town doctor is the one that was murdered so they hear that this guy's a doctor so they go get him to come and try to help out in the town and it's like a and this is a little alien that alan Tudyk is just great at playing and he's he's kind of dark oh yeah he's very dark like there's a little kid that kind of freaks out every time he sees him and he's just keeping on i gotta go remember to go kill that kid (laughs) and the and the design of the way he looks like that in his alien form kind of reminds me of the aliens from cowboys versus aliens yeah Yeah. and where it's pretty scary looking yeah and um this show is hilarious it's i thought it was really funny i've only seen the first episode there's been two well there's there's actually three oh there's three now they put well they put the third one out just 
It had, the third one hasn't aired yet, but you can watch it on demand. Oh, uh, okay. So, but I watched the first two, okay. and Alan Tudyk is just amazing. I'd recommend show. it. I mean, if you like Alan Tudyk, it's it's it's. It, I mean, it's a dark comedy. Yeah. But it's um. I mean, I guess it's got some social commentary with the whole alien thing, but yeah. it's... Uh, I don't really know anybody else that's in the show. Like, I don't know anybody else. Neither me. I mean, I looked at it. The, it's a lot It's a lot of newcomers. Um, one of the, I think, writers and kind of executive producers of the show is an actor by the name of Robert Duncan McNeil, who's on Star Trek Voyager, which I think he created Chuck, too. Okay. But um, it comes on Sci-Fi Channels on Sundays, I believe. Um it's Wednesday. Is it Wednesday? Okay, my my mistake. Um, How dare you? Yeah, Alan Tudyk. I'm sorry, I failed you. Um, but it's uh, it it's funny. It, uh, Sci-Fi Channel. So it's. Um, we're gonna dip into some reality for House Hunters. Okay, so th- this is an actual. So I walked in after I recorded the show last week. I got home and Sandra was cracking up laughing. So. Um, uh, there's a new streaming service called Discovery Plus, which is like HDTV and Food Network and this and Discovery Channel, Science Channel, ID Discovery, all that stuff. And we got it free for a year because we have Verizon. So Sandra loves House Hunters. That's like her favorite thing to put on and just kind of. It's quite bitch. ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> you're a, you're a bag boy at a grocery store. You're a, an at-home Etsy salesperson. Your budget is $4 million. That's, and that's how it always is. That's it's like, how, how do these is. people have this kind of budget? <laughs> yes. but um, So there's this thing, and it's exclusive to the app. So it's on the Discovery Plus app, and it's called House Hunters Comedians on Couches, where they pick out the most ridiculous episodes of House Hunters, and they have three comedians, which one of them is... All right, so there's... I discovered there's two Dan Levies. There's the Schitt's Creek Dan Levy, the com- the Canadian Canadian comedian, the like com- comedian act- Canadian, yeah. <laughs> and there's an um, there's an American comedian writer and named Dan Levy. I didn't think that they could do that with the Screen Actors Guild. I thought they all had to have different names. I'm telling you, the Screen Actors Guild. I'm pretty sure the one from Schitt's Creek is Daniel Levy, but he just goes by Dan Levy. Maybe so. But um, yeah. Anyway, so it's uh, it's this American Dan Levy. An, uh, a female comedian named Natasha Legero. <laughs> Natasha Legero is hilarious. Yeah, and and it's it's them two, and the third comedian is always someone different. Well, when I walked in, the third comedian was Seth Rogen, and it was the three of them basically doing this funny commentary track on this episode of House Hunters. And the one they did, it was uh, three people, and they called themselves the Thruple, and it was this guy with these two women that he was in a relationship with, like shopping for these houses and hearing Seth Rogen and these two comedians just make fun of it the entire time was one of the funniest like I was crying I was laughing so hard um I know like JB Smoove does an episode um Greg's in yeah um John Mulaney does one so I mean it's it's on the Discovery Plus app which like I said if you have Verizon you get it free for a year but I think it's $4.99 a month and you get your I have to tell my dad about it because he's pissed as all get out that there's a lot of shows he watches, like the the Alaskan Bush people, which the dad passed away from that this weekend. Uh, but also like like the Gold Rush stuff, we're not. It's all and on he's that. he's irritated because there's a bunch of like shows that you can only get if you have the app. Yeah, it, it it's actually a pretty. It's a it's a the app. It's pretty. I was impressed. It's easy to navigate. Natasha Leggero is hilarious. She is. I, I told her on the roasts. Yeah, on the roasts, she's really good. And did you ever see? I was telling Lynn there was a show. 
I can't remember if it was on E or VH1 a while back, and it was a spoof of The Bachelor. You've told and me it's about it. Burn in Love. You've told me about it. I've never gotten to see it. And it's all the different like women that are on it are like different like either comedian comedian uh, comedians that are out there or like there's one you know how there's always like a character that shows up on The Bachelor in some kind of animal costume that happens in the first episode and the animal person in the animal costume gets kicked off and when she gets in the car she takes off her head and it's Jennifer Aniston and Kristen Bell's on it but anyway Natasha Leggero is on it and I can't remember what her character's name is but in every scene she's always drunk and she's always bottomless <laughs> and every time you see her it's just blurred out because she's just, she's bottomless but yeah, I'd recommend this. And like I said, that that app is it's cool. Yeah. Like up, up, it's got all the MythBusters. It's got you know uh, how it's made, and it's got stuff from ID Discovery. So I mean, it's and they added like a bunch of stuff they they're doing like exclusively. Yeah, like, that's a really funny idea though, because I mean that show is ridiculous, and I mean if you put comedian commentary on it, that's gonna be hilarious. Yeah, so cool. it was funny. Um, and then another show uh, that apparently I don't know what it's royalty. She's from some country, Queen Latifah. <laughs> is, is the new Equalizer? Well, yeah. Bon and I actually both watched it. This was the, the show that they advertised during the Super Bowl and came on after the Super Bowl, and it was the, the, the new Equalizer. Yeah. And, and this wasn't the one that Rob Reiner liked in Wolf of Wall Street. No. Is it is it like a, a reboot of the actual show, yeah. Equalizer? I, so, yeah, it's kind of like... This is a CBS show. CBS show. Queen Latifah plays Robin McCall. It was Robert McCall in the right. one. Yeah. Former CIA operative. Mm-hmm. Except, well, she's got like a little team... That yeah. she works with, um, it's uh, Adam Goldberg, you know, from um, Saving Private Ryan and, and Friends. You know the how is it? Hiya, pal. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> Say your pal. Yeah. The um, the Asian girl from Twenty One. Twenty One. Yeah. And um, is it Chris Noth? Yeah, Chris Noth is like her from handler. Sex in the City. Yeah. yeah. Is her handler and. Yeah, he's like a guy that she used to work with, and he uh, he runs like a like a private security firm now. Yeah. But he's like kind of the one that's like the kind of go between between her and the, the government. He also yeah. married Helen Hunt in Castaway. He did broke Tom Hanks's heart. Yeah. That Bastard. fucker. Well, well, we'll get to him later in the episode. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's I mean the plot is I think the plot of the show is pretty much the same as yeah. the old one and the movies for that matter. I mean, she she helps out this. It, she kind of stumbles across this young Hispanic girl that's being framed for a murder she didn't commit and she helps her she believes her she helps her out but then it kind of bounces back and forth between that and like robin mccall's home life with her daughter yeah and um for a cbs show it's not bad yeah i thought it was pretty good i mean i was expecting like you know just regular you know just procedural just another reboot that's not going to be good but it was i enjoyed it i thought you're going to keep watching um i'll I'll give it the rule of three yeah i'll give it the three three. now i will say like the CBS demographic that loves the reboots of um, NCIS. No, I'm thinking like the reboots of Magnum PI oh, and yeah. um, MacGyver and Hawaii Five O. I think they're going to eat this up. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because it's uh, but it's, the supporting cast was good. And yeah, Queen was good in it. Yeah, she was good. Which well, we, were, like, we were kind of skeptical about yeah. her leading a show like this. But yeah. see, I, I was kind of hoping it would be a, like the Limitless show. I really liked, but it was kind of like it didn't ignore the movie. Yeah, but like this is it sounds like it like, ignores the movie. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. This thing. is just a new version. Because like he was Robert McCall in the movie. Right. Yeah, this is just a new version of the same story. And I mean, and he didn't have like a little team, like or any friend. Oh, I mean, yeah. he, had his, I, he had his free, his previous like handler, I guess. Which I think that's like, what made the show a little more, I guess, believable because she did have a team, so it wasn't like she wasn't the like a superhero. You right. know, she had a little team she was working with. Which, yeah, and which Adam Goldberg up. was was really good in it. I'm yeah, he's a computer lot. hacker. Yeah. But um, and he got like I don't know. He kind of like bulked up, and he's like all tatted up now. It's, 
I didn't realize it was him until he started talking. I'm like, hey, that's, that's Adam Goldberg. He was uh, Chandler's roommate. It's Private Mellish. Yeah. Yeah. Juden. That must might have been the, the worst uh, the, the worst death in that movie. That was pretty bad. Yeah. What you gonna do? Probably Ryan. Uh, Mank. All right, so it's time. Yeah. Um, this got a bunch of award nominations. It did get a bunch of recently. Awards, yeah. Ryan took in a deep breath and licked his lips. So I I saw this movie. That, like, that means there's business about. I to go saw this out. movie like a month ago, and I specifically waited to discuss it until the rest of you guys have seen it. Well, I I, I seen it. I seen it too. I have not seen it. And and you told me. Before you was like, don't watch it when you're tired because you're gonna fall asleep. So I was like, you know, I probably need to go to bed in about an hour. I had work the next morning. I was like, I was like, Ryan said this is kind of slow. I'll put it on and make me ready to go to bed. I did turn it off after about an hour, but I wasn't bored with it at all. So Ryan, why don't you tell take us through what this movie's about? Okay, uh, it's about the guy who <laughs> Ryan clearly wrote, thinks I'm wrong. <laughs> it's about the guy who wrote Citizen Kane. Yeah, and there you go. <clears throat> about him that's, trying to get the script written. That's the best description I've ever heard of a film. And there you go. And that's, uh, that's the name of this episode. <laughs> I, I, it, 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 to say the words I'm about to say, it really pains me, but I hated this movie. Really? I love David Fincher. I've loved everything he's ever now, done. this is nothing like anything David Fincher's no, ever done. No, and I feel like he made this movie. This is, and is, I know you like it, to... His dad wrote it. I don't care. <laughs> This is this is this he is. Did? I believe you. He made this movie uh, no, for I, okay. his dad. He said he was going to make this movie while his dad was still alive, and his dad passed away, and he had written the movie, and he came out and said, well, "I'm going I'm still going to make the movie." Well, here's the thing, and I know you guys are going to. You, John, always makes fun of me when I say this, but this movie reminded me of that that gif from Mad Max Fury Road with Tom Hardy going, "That's bait," because this movie is just Oscar bait. Is it though? It's Oscar bait to me. It's one of the, it's like those those performances that I always make fun of that are just Oscar bait performances. You know, I think. I'm gonna have to disagree with I'm you. Disagree. Just because. <laughs> Thank you, Bill Lumber. <laughs> no, just yeah, because it, I'm gonna go ahead right. and just disagree so, with you on that. Any other year, I don't think I won't even talk about this for Oscars because it's a Netflix movie. And also, the reason I disagree with you is because I know what you mean when you say Oscar bait, and the one you said most recently, and you didn't even watch it, was when uh, was the the movie about. Um, what was it, the theory of everything? Yeah, because it was about somebody having some kind of serious handicap. Yeah, and, and that kind of thing can be Oscar bait, and I get what yeah. you're talking about. This, there's nothing wrong with this guy. It's he like was, it was just a, no, it's not about it's yeah. okay. So let me let me. It's not about the characters. It's about the way they made he made the movie. It's like oh, it's about the quote unquote greatest movie of all time, which I don't agree with. And they're like oh, let's make it in black and white and just make it all stylistic and. It well, I mean, they haven't done a movie about the making of Highlander yet, so. No. <laughs> I just I found it to be, it's very dialogue heavy about like a lot of stuff. Like I had a hard time following exactly what they were talking about. I feel like there was so, a lot of so Ryan thinks too much talking. No, there was a lot of like movie insider talk. I believe I, then back then, unless you really know what they're talking about, I, I found it hard to follow what. Like I'd have a hard time figuring out exactly why they didn't like Mank. I mean, he was, seemed like a fun dude, but it was just like. It was weird. I, I don't. And then, well, they didn't like him because he was making this movie, Citizen Kane, that was about William Randolph Hearst, who had been. They kept bringing him in because he really liked him, and he was. It was basically like he didn't like with some of the stuff that William Randolph Hearst had done. So this movie was like a big like fuck you to him, basically. There, there's stuff in that movie in Citizen Kane that directly like okay, his like Hearst's mistress. You know how the slut is named Rosebud. Mm -hmm. That was his pet name for his lover's vagina, which they mentioned. They mentioned that in this movie. So the way that David Fincher made this, and I kind of told John watching this reminded me of watching The Artist. 
Yeah. Another movie I have never watched because that's Oscar bait, too. Well, yeah, uh, I'm just going to yeah, say yeah, it was Oscar bait. It was... Good, um, and how, I, how memorable is the artist? Does that, well, that's what about? I was about to say. I like it's I, memorable, but it's not one that I'm going to like put on over. Yeah, there. yeah exactly. Like, like I enjoyed like I enjoyed watching Mank. I appreciated it. I don't know yeah. if I'll ever watch it again. Yeah, See, that's I, all think, I think you guys are just being too loyal to David. Fincher. No, I'm not at all. I'm not at all because I think this is a movie you guys will never put on again. I won't. It will be forgotten in like five years, just like the artist. And at the well, time, everybody you know was praising the artist, saying how great it was. And I'm like, I understand that, but that rewatchability a, isn't something that, that I that, say is the greatest. It, makes it, greatest it, movie. If it's not rewatchable, then what's the point of making it? It's it's got to be something to say something. It, but it has to. To me, it has to grab. But there you there are movies that there are once. movies that are emotionally wreck someone. That I understand, movie. but that's not what we're talking about here. I get but then you, you can't rewatch. But I mean, there's a movie no, I like get that. For example, I mean, like the the Passion of the Christ. Right. I, I understand that. That was a great movie, but I, I'm not going to watch it. Again, I understand probably. like graphic films or like you know movies like Schindler's List that people can't watch again. But it, when it's just like stuff like Mank or The Artist. When that stuff's not rewatchable, I think I, well, it's, it's just bad. I just found this to be a cool experience because it yeah. was like watching the way that David Fincher made this movie. He made it kind of like Citizen Kane, where yeah. it bounces yeah. back and forth and uh, between flashbacks and what was currently going on. Um, they had, you know, he made it look like an old film with the cigarette burns and yep. like the real changes and stuff. So I was like, oh, this is cool. It made me feel kind of nostalgic to watching old movies, kind of like 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 the artist. I had never seen a silent film in a movie theater before. I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. But I mean, I'm I'm not gonna probably watch him again, but I can still appreciate. That's exactly the art. what I'm saying. Like I agree with what you're saying. Like it was it was really amazing. I mean, David Fincher's one of the best, and he shows that. But. To me, like the movie was just and boring. I, and I'm not going out there saying that I think this is going to be the best movie of the year. Either. No, I don't, I don't, it I don't might win. It's no Roma. It kind of reminded me of I mean, Roma. It, it might just I mean, it was way better than Roma. I will say, uh, Academy voters tend to like movies about Hollywood. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's it, it very well might win. I mean, I'm not going to be... It was a movie about that time made like a movie that would be made in that time. Which but, is a great idea, and it would, sounds and, cool, but to but me... I, I do get what Ryan's saying, because like to what, to what Glenn just said... Hollywood likes to like, for lack of a better term, like masturbate, <laughs> and that's that's literally what like it's not like, exclusive to Hollywood. Well, but no, but like what I mean is like, like so look at look at like anything that's got like period pieces tend to win. Yes, costume costumes over here. and like you know there's there's things that that they they celebrate their their own crowd. It's self gratification, and I agree with Ron, like you can. Definitely key a movie and get a lot of, of, of accolades because of it. La La Land's craze to a degree is because it's a love that's, letter to Los Angeles. It's a right. good film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good musical. And that's but what it's I feel definitely about this one. I mean it's it's a I enjoyed I enjoyed the movie. And I mean that, that's it. I, I mean, enjoyed it. Like I said, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm I'm probably won't watch it again. Yeah, I, I appreciated it. I, uh, I for like the color. art. I actually thought Amanda Seyfried was very good in it. Yeah. As um uh, as Marion. Yeah. But um and she kinda like looks like she belongs in that Kind yeah. of era, by the way, but um, and Charles, I, Charles Dance as William Randolph Hearst was awesome. Yeah, he, yeah. Um, if anyone should be cast as William Randolph Hearst, I will say I kind of liked um, RKO two eight one a little more. That's a good movie. Nobody Leah Schreiber about is, that is, is. I've never seen that one. I've heard oh, of it. I'm at the limit. Yeah, I know you. I remember you talking about how good it was. But um, I mean, I didn't really know anything about Herman Mankiewicz, and yeah, I didn't. Either. And, I and in that, that one, movie. Herman Mankiewicz is played by Malkovich. <laughs> oh, it's already better. <laughs> Hmm. You're saying Malkovich is better than that, Gary That movie Holman? should be called Malk. <laughs> so, um, 4.5. Wow. I'd give it like a 7.5. It only gets to 4.5 off of David Fincher's filmmaking abilities. I mean, he he's it's a, it's a masterpiece of... 
yes, it's art, but when it's not something that I can continuously enjoy over time, that it's not a timeless movie. That well, how do you know if you don't watch it again in like three or four years? I'll give it a shot, but I guarantee no, you, you. No, you won't. No, if it's something that's on, well, it's on Netflix, but if it's on TV, I'll, I'll give it a chance to, to put it on. But yeah, uh, I'm not a fan. Glenn Jimmin, you're a uh, Six and a half. All right, for one masterpiece to the next, Mom and Dad. All right, so I got a cage movie for y'all. Continuing Glenn's fine okay. tradition of is, watching is cage this, movies we've not seen. Is this ever going to end? I hope I not. I mean, Nicolas Cage puts out a new movie every week, so Glenn I mean, watch I mean, a new one every I mean, week. like Glenn's obsession with this. Th- th- uh, th- I, thank you, Glenn. <laughs> Please pay my tax bills. <laughs> well, the good people at uh, Hulu <laughs> helping me out here. Well, um, your Nicolas Cage impression might be one of your best ones that you do. Really? <laughs> so, Mom and Dad... Um, this movie stars Nicolas Cage and Selma Blair as Brent and Kendall. When did it come out? Uh, 2017. Does it, does it matter? I mean, it's fairly new. Yeah, it is. And it's only 86 minutes long. Oh, God. So, okay. <laughs> I, um, so when you say quick buck, yeah. this is what we're talking about. It was written and directed by Brian Taylor, who also wrote uh, both Crank films, and he directed um, Ghost Rider's Spirit of Vengeance. All right. All right. So well, it's already recipe for success. All right. So Mom and Dad, this is a horror film. All right. Kind of a black comedy horror film. Um, so uh, I would kind of compare this to movies t- like uh, Bird Box, where um, there's, an unex- there's kind of an unexplained phenomenon going on. And the movie kind of addresses it a little bit, doesn't. So like I said, Nicolas Cage, Summer Blair, they play a married couple. Brent and Kendall. They've got two kids, Anne and Zach. Anne is a kind of 16, 17. Zach looks like he's about 12. Um, they live in the suburbs. Um, I think uh, Kendall's kind of a, an out-of-work actress. And they never really say what, what Brent does. It doesn't really matter. So um, this one day, uh, the, the this strange happenstance goes on where... They kind of say that it's uh, an attack on America, but no one really knows, where the signal gets sent through um, radio and TV with the static, and it kind of flips the switch in uh, parents' brains, where um, they kind of explain this, where every, when, when normally when someone has a child, there's an, uh, an inadvertent uh, instinct to protect this child from harm. And this switches that into reverse. So now, all these parents are trying to violently murder their children. This sounds hilarious. Like, the opening scene is this mom driving with a car seat in the back of her car. Like, this is before the opening credits. She's just driving in the minivan, baby's in the back of the car in the car seat. She's playing, like, some preschool music, and then you hear static. All of a sudden, she stops the van on a train track, gets out of the car, walks away, and a train destroys the car and kills a child. So, um, sounds like a hoot. Yeah. So, um, anyway, Nicolas Cage and Selma both um, get exposed to this, and the whole movie is their children trying to survive the 24 hours or however long. This movie takes place over the course of 24 hours of the kids trying to survive, of their parents trying to violently murder them. And, I mean, there's a lot of children that die in this movie at the hands of their parents. But it's so over the top and crazy. This is just an insane, insane film. Compared to an Ed Wood film. All right. Well, let me just lay out one scene that even. It's I like, like that you didn't blanket this either. Like, you're, all right. So there's this one scene, and it's a flashback before the craziness even starts, 
where um, Summer Blair's character walks down to the basement and finds Nicolas Cage admiring a pool table. And she's like, you, you paid for it. You, you bought a pool table? And he's like, well, yeah. And she's like, well, you don't even like pool. And he's like, well, I just wanted a spot for myself. He's like, we used to be Brett and Kendall, and now we're mom and dad, and I don't know how to handle it. And then he picks up a sledgehammer and starts destroying this pool table the entire time at the top of his lungs in the best Nicolas Cage scene I think I've ever seen. He's singing the hokey pokey while he destroys his pool table. What the hell? Okay. Okay. We need to look that up and watch <laughs> this. This sounds like a... Like- Somebody, like, it, like is that scene is that on YouTube? I'm sure it is. And like, and there's, I mean, because you remember, you all saw Crank, right? Mm-hmm. You know how throughout Crank, like, it would go to these crazy little cutscenes of stuff that kind of doesn't make any sense. Well, this is full of that, and it's Nicolas Cage going full Cage is the best way I could describe it. And when they start trying to murder their kids, it's the craziest thing I've oh. ever seen. Oh, is is does this look familiar? Yeah, yeah. There you go. Oh, let's let you know. Mom and dad, huh? I don't want to hear it. Right now. Yeah, okay. Not, not well. So um, we might oh. have some kind of lawsuit yeah. against us. Uh, yeah, yeah. We don't want. We don't want. To upset, I'm sure the makers of this. We film don't want to upset Nicholas Cage. Well, fine, fine. And like Lance Hedrick. Yeah, we're still played. hoping he'll listen to our yeah. episode and want to come hang out. Lance, he's, Lance, if he plays Lance a clip, maybe he'll plays, definitely come. Lance Hendrickson plays Cage's dad in it. That's in, that's actually inspired casting. Yeah, but um. This is completely like, and I, I read that Nicolas Cage said this was his favorite movie he'd done in the past ten years, because because he got to be so completely and utterly nuts in it, as um, opposed to his other performance. Like, as well, opposed to walking like, around on a Wednesday. Well, you remember the one I talked about last week? They tried to make with the runner. Like yeah. he tried to make a serious film. This one, I think they knew exactly what they were making. They were making a midnight movie that they were going to show at like the Austin Film Festival, which I believe they did. So, and it's just completely insane. Like I said, I don't know if I could recommend this to everyone because there is some kind of disturbing scenes of like parents, you know, stabbing their kids with keys and strangling them with with like wow uh, sock with like uh, like shoelaces and stuff like that. It's just kind of there's some disturbing stuff. But it's if you're in the right frame of mind, this is kind of nuts. Uh, like one of the reviews said, it's like Home Alone on bath salts. Bottom line is number. I'm gonna give this a six. Wow, it's, you enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I, I like I said, it's I would not recommend this to everyone. Would, would you watch it again? Especially if like if if we had some a bunch of drinks and we were all together so said, you'd watch it again by yeah, ryan's criteria best picture already candidate. better than make so it's um it's it's the best 86 minutes you'll spend all day <laughs> and so i i have to find my next cage film i'm, I'm excited but um I, w- I would say mom and dad was much better than the the last two i watched better than primal and the runner well let's see if our shriek of but yeah, it, sixes holds you, up. You need to watch that scene of the hokey pokey of him destroying that that, that the pool table. Okay. The dig. Okay, so uh, I found this movie on Netflix. It was on Netflix's wonderfully wonder the little great idea of the little top ten list of the stuff that's trending on their mm-hmm. on their page. I, I love that because that's how I found this movie because Ray Fiennes was in the picture and I love him. And he's not evil in this movie. No, he's not. Did you watch it? No. Okay. I don't know what it's about, though. All right. So anyway, uh, he plays this guy. He's an excavator. And this woman is living on this, I guess it's her estate. Her husband has died. And there are these weird mounds, like large mounds of dirt that grass has grown over them on our, on our estate. And she thinks that there's something there, something buried in the ground. So she hires Ray Fiennes as an excavator to come look at it. 
see if he thinks something's there and he's like well you know there could be um and he speculates what it might be and you know he gives her a price and they come up with an idea of how he's going to excavate the stuff and see if something is on her estate so the movie sort of starts with just two characters and it seems like it's just going to be about you know this and sort of like the dig itself it gets a lot larger in scope and characters because when they find what they find there draws in a lot of attention from all parts of the government. Now it takes place right before the start of World War II. So when the government, well actually the, the, the National Museum finds out about what they're finding there, they wanna hurry up and get the dig done because they know war could be imminent. So there's this backdrop of you know the threat of war for England and it's really cool scenes like it happens throughout the entire movie where there there's planes that go by and everybody always stops because i guess they're worried it could be bombers or something and um it's a really interesting movie i was surprised how much i liked it um i don't remember the little kid that's in it who plays the the uh, sounds Car- way more boring than Meg. no it's not uh carrie mulligan is the the woman in it and her son this little kid is an he's a, he's does a really good job um but it, it dives more into uh, different characters that show up and their whole, like I think Ben Cross is one of the other actors who shows up. Um, it's really good. Uh, Ray, yeah. Fa- Ray L- Lily James is in it. Yeah. Oh, I like Lily James. She's very good. Again, like they show up like halfway through the movie and their characters are actually quite pivotal to what happens towards the end of the film. Um, I'd probably give this like a 7.5. Like I really enjoyed it. Um, there's a, an amazing scene between Ray Fiennes and Lil' Kid. Um, where like Carrie Mulligan is sick. That's not a. That's not a big. It's just pretty established early on. There's something wrong with her. She's not telling everybody what it is, and they keep trying to shield the little boy from what is really wrong with her. And they keep telling him, "Oh, she's doing fine." Well, one night she he sort of stumbles upstairs and he sees that she's looking bad and he gets upset and runs out the house and he bumps into Ray Fines and the dude's the little kid's crying. And bear in mind, this is like a little kid giving this performance, and Ray finds like, what's wrong? And he's like, you know, my father died, and everyone told me I need to take care of my mom, and I'm failing at that. I'm failing at everything. I, I can't protect her, and everyone's lying to me. I was just like, I was just blown away. This little seven-year-old kid's giving this kind of acting performance with Ray Fiennes, holding his own with him. And uh, it's a it's a really good scene. Uh, very good movie. I'd recommend it. And, of course, it's Netflix, which is great, because you can always just stop it if you're not enjoying it. But I think you guys would like it, actually. You can stop it and watch Mank instead. No, no one would do that. The dig will live on past Mank, I promise. Okay. <laughs> or you could stop it and watch Cobra Kai. <laughs> yeah, there you, you go. You can always do that. That's right. Or the Tiger King. Well, we'll find out if, if News of the World beats any of these movies. Me and John watched this. Yeah, we did. We were Glenn, We were talking about I, I had kind of the weekend to myself this, this past weekend because uh, my wife took our little girl to, to Monroe where her family lives because it's her dad's birthday. So they went up there, and uh, I told Glenn, you know, maybe we could watch something that we haven't seen. We were maybe Mank, but then we'd both seen that. And uh, before he came over, my nephew called and said, "Hey, we're gonna rent a movie on a uh, for for Granddad. He wants to watch a, a movie, and it's all in the Fire Stick, which is I set up up there. And he's like, "Is it okay if we rent News of the World?" And I was like, "Yeah, go ahead." So they rented News of the World, and I was like, "Hey, they just rented News of the World on my Fire Stick. That means I can watch News of the World on my Fire Stick here." So I called Glenn. And I was like, "Yeah, let's watch that." So we we watched it, and I enjoyed it. So did I. So um, this is one of the ones that. Premiere. It's on demand. So, on demand. So yeah. you can rent it. So you, you rent it for nineteen ninety nine. Or you can go see it at the theater. Yeah, is the Tom Hanks one. Tom yeah. Hanks. So yeah, this is Tom Hanks. Um, he plays Captain Kidd. Yeah. Uh, this is in Texas, kind of right after the Civil War ends. Yeah. And um, 
John, tell, tell, him, tell him what, well, uh, what Captain Kidd does for a living. Does his he? job, which I, I guess I just didn't know that this kind of profession, profession existed. And he said, you know, it doesn't make a ton of money, but it's what he does. He go, travels from town to town, and he'll gather people together in like a little auditorium or something. And he charges 10 cents per person for them to come in. Most of these people can't read or anything. And he sits there and he reads the news to them. Out of the, uh, news, a lot of times it's their local newspapers or he gets, you know, other newspapers. And he reads stuff that they would find interesting. So like that, and like that's public interest stories. Public interest stories, stuff like that. Okay. And um, as he's going from town to town, he comes across uh, this wagon that's been turned over, and um, there's uh, some Native American. Uh, was just one Native American guy that yeah, it was one. Who was like they look like they basically lynched him, and um, some people had lynched him, and then he finds this girl who's very kind of Swedish looking. Yeah, she's blonde oh, she's, and very you know, blonde pale. Blonde blue eyes, whatever. But she's wearing like a Native American outfit, and she only speaks the language they like speak. Kiowa. Kiowa is what it is. Yeah. Um, and uh, he kind of learns from some paperwork that they find in there, uh, like on the on the wagon, that she was taken, you know, when she was very small, and she had been raised for the past like five or six years by the uh, this the Kiowa tribe, and uh, so she doesn't speak English, and it's kind of the two of them traveling together and he's trying to get her to some people that may be like kind of some family some distant family it's like her. an aunt and uncle an aunt and uncle and uh he's kind of learning some stuff from her and she's learning some stuff from him and it's it was kind of like a we kind of pointed out it was kind of like a true grit kind yeah. of thing where it's just kind of like this journey the two of them going together but the characters are both very different from true grit you are um, not LeBee no <laughs> At no point does, does he say that. I mean, and some of it kind of reminded me of There Will Be Blood a little. Especially a little like, when, I mean, he's nowhere near like Daniel Plainview, no. but the way that he would talk to the crowds. Yeah. Because he was very eloquent the way he yeah. spoke. And, you know, he's a very educated man. Yeah. And there's, there's some stuff, which another thing that we talked about that I found interesting, which you don't hear a whole lot about Texas in the Civil War. No, you don't. And you find out a little, you know, about... The, about that, yeah. About the, you know, and Texas I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't know that too much Civil War fighting went on in Texas. There was because no. they mentioned there was one guy that he asked, well, you know, where he served, and he said he was in whatever Texas regiment out of Virginia. So I was like, I think they were, you know, they were. The, I mean, the main push in the Civil War is to try to take the capital, and yeah, you know. So, yeah. So I mean, that's yeah. Like Glenn said, we don't you don't really see too much of the of Texas. Which American. I found it interesting. Yeah, it was, it was directed by Paul Greengrass. Yeah. Um. The little girl, well, you were talking about little that the little child having holding the zone against Ray Fiennes. This little girl was fantastic. She was, and really she cool. held her own with Tom Hanks throughout the whole movie, yeah. pretty much. Um, her name's uh, Helena Zengel, yeah. which I mean, we looked her up. She had only been in some um, a couple like, of German things, a couple of German yeah movies. But um, this movie's pretty much just the two of them, yeah. too. And I mean, the the way David Greengrass filmed some Paul of these Greengrass. scenes, Paul Greengrass, I'm sorry. We filmed some of the scenes like there's a part where they uh, like a dust storm kind of mm-hmm. creeps up on them, and he filmed it kind of the way he filmed some of the stuff in the Bourne movies, where you feel like you're running right behind them in this dust storm. Yeah, and it was pretty engrossing in yeah. times. I mean, I I, I really enjoyed. This I really film. enjoyed it too. You must have watched it after you saw Mank. Actually, <laughs> a different day. Oh, the Mank thread. That I mean, would be a good title. So, so, am I wrong? The Mank thread. Yeah. All right. Um, I mean, he hasn't seen the movie. No, I'm talking about. I will the, watch the, it, and I'll watch this after Mank. That's oh, why I like this. It, so it was much. a couple of days after. There you go. So, so uh, if you have to score it, gentlemen, I'd give this like an eight. I was gonna say um, seven point eight. All right. It was it was good. Tom Hanks was really good in it, and he's never really played a character like this. 
no. before and I couldn't really think of. He's And when you think of like the basic story of what this is, it kind of seems like it's kind of been done before, but I don't know, it felt fresh. And like, was... I think it was because it, it was fami- a familiar kind of plot, but there was enough kind of things that we hadn't seen before. Like you mentioned, like it was an interesting job that we never heard about yeah. in Texas in the Civil War. So it's kind of like variations on a theme where it was yeah. it was a, a familiar plot, but you know, Paul Greengrass did something different with it. Yeah. Um, so we had a, a show that was aired after the Super Bowl, which was The Equalizer. We talked a little bit about that, but it got us to thinking about things that debuted post Super Bowl. And I see everyone getting out their articles that did Not me. Because here's the funny thing. I told this to John. I think this is a great idea, but I have never watched any show after the Super Bowl. I can't say that I did, except when I was going through this list, I realized I've seen more of them than I realized. The only reason I have never watched it is because once the Super Bowl is over, I always turn to ESPN to follow up on more sports news. I don't watch whatever. Hug it, chug it, football. right, Right. So... I'm interested to see what because I don't know all of them, but I've never seen a single one of these things. Um, At least not when it originally aired. I was about to say. Well, I'll, so, so we're, you, are we talk, just talking about ones we think was the best, or, or? I think we were just going to go through. We're going to go through. I mean, you want to start it way back at the beginning of the Super Bowl era. There was a want? lot of sixty minutes. on A lot of sixty minutes on there. I mean, there was Lassie was the very first one. Like, let's see. What, let's try to discover when this became like a big thing, because. Before, it was probably just whatever well, show was scheduled like you, to come You on, said so. that the halftime show didn't become... like It wasn't a thing to get a big halftime show going until Michael Jackson in 92. Yeah. That's what was sort of the whole you know trend of, of we got to get a big act for the, the halftime show. So I don't know how much of a... Like when did the the Super Bowl really you know come to prominence? As, I mean, it was, all, it, was, it was always big when the Super Bowl first started. But I think when people started to realize they could make more money off of it... That's when like TV shows and ad executives got attached to it more. I mean, you can tell by like the early '60s the type of shows that would come on after. Yeah, what well, I mean after after Super Bowl Nine in 1975 was the NBC Nightly News, right? Which came on and then, but then like after that in the '70s and '80s, I feel like they started to attach some more stuff to it. A lot of 60 Minutes there. 1981 was Chips. Yeah. Another, another 60 Minutes. The A Team. Airwolf. Airwolf. Yeah, I mean, again, they're starting to attach more TV shows as it goes on. The Wonder Years pilot came on right after the Super Bowl. <laughs> the pilot, that, the, the pilot of hard copy. Well, I remember watching the Wonder Years pilot, and it must have like because it was the first time was like we you know we didn't really record stuff back then, but I remember watching that. So it must have been after the, the Super, Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that yeah that was 1988 was Wonder Years. Um, let's see, I still don't know what I'd do if I sang out a tune. <laughs> the pilot for Homicide: Life on the Street. On you. No. So now, all right, let's go. Let's just start. You know, start in the nineties. Yeah. So okay, we got um, something called Grand Slam was nineteen ninety. Which I assume did the, not. the Denny's food item. It was. It was the pilot of a show called Grand Slam, <laughs> and that was on when Super Bowl was on CBS. So um, that's one that's not very memorable. It just says it's an American action drama television series that aired from January twenty eighth to March fourteenth. <laughs> And it premiered after the Super Bowl. Super Bowl didn't help. Super Bowl Super didn't help too much. After that was something I guess I should know about. You should know about this da- one. Davis Rules. Davis Rules. It's like O'Doyle Did, Rules. Yeah. That, yeah, that was the Was it a judge show with a relative of yours? Is I don't know. Let's see if it's if it starred anyone I knew. It starred Randy Quaid as Dwight Davis. <gasps> nice. A widowed elementary school principal who is raising three sons. And Jonathan Winters was in it, too. Yeah. Patricia Clarkson. Man. That, that, I'm, I'm assuming that was a it's piece of crap. It's kind of odd that the Super Bowl, as big as it is, like it doesn't. 
I mean, doesn't seem to help. A lot of these. I mean, I think the majority well, of these shows are forgettable. The next one is probably a really big one that happened. It was the sixty in nineteen ninety two. It was the sixty minutes where it was the the interview of Bill and Hillary Clinton after the Jennifer Flowers affair thing. That was oh, that probably, was a big deal. That was a big deal. I didn't feel I needed the Super Bowl leading though. But the fact that they put it at the right. Super Bowl, you know, they I think that's when they started building up that this was like an important thing coming on after. Yeah, because yeah, if you're going to put Andy Rooney on after the Super Bowl, the pilot of Homicide: Life on the Street. That that show was on that for had a, a while. Decent run, yeah. a long time. Um, the, the John Larroquette show yeah. and something called The Good Life. That was NBC. Extreme. I'm not sure what that is. Something with James Brolin. The Good Life. Apparently, Drew Carey was on that. Oh. All right, good for him. But yeah. 1996 is probably one of the the biggest ones that they've had, and it's the one after the Super Bowl episode of Friends, where there was is that the one Jean Claude Van Damme and was it Brooke Shields? Brooke Shields and Julie Roberts. I remember that having a lot of advertisement and lead up. Yeah, and they played the whole thing because they they had split Chris Isaac. It, and it was an hour episode because they split it into two parts when it went to syndication. Yeah, but they played the whole hour because that was the one yeah. with was it Marcel the monkey was in uh, Outbreak Two yeah. Yeah. that they were filming in the city. That was a big one. And then the next year, I remember watching this after the Super Bowl, was the X-Files episode called Leonard Betts. It starred um, the guy that played Dr. Romano from when he was in in, in ER. I mean, he was Robocop. He was the guy that had melted. Was it um, Paul McCrane was the actor's name? He was Emil in uh, Robocop. Yeah. Yeah. That that was a that was a big one. Uh, after that was Third Rock from the Sun, which an episode called Thirty Six Twenty Four Thirty Six Dick. <laughs> okay, first of all, Third Rock from the Sun is a massively underrated show. Yeah. It is, and, and I, yeah, but uh, and I wanted to say like during the Super Bowl, like they had a lot of stuff with the cast, like sitting in the stadium and stuff. Like they promoted that episode a lot. Um, the year after that, the Super Bowl was on Fox, and it was a back to back. It was the pilot of Family Guy. Yeah. And then an episode of The Simpsons. So The Simpsons episode, that was the one where they, they actually went to the Super Bowl. And one of my favorite jokes in that is when they recorded it, they didn't know who was going to be the winner or who was even going to be in the Super Bowl. So they're talking about it in the bar, and they kept putting <laughs> putting up glasses in front of their faces. It's like, uh-huh. I, I think the Denver Broncos. <laughs> and then it was like, I, I, I hope our president, Bill Clinton, and his wife, Hillary, We'll be there. So that after that, we went to the ABC network, and it was um, the practice, which that was pretty popular. Yeah. I could see I, a lot of these. I could see why they're putting them after the Super Bowl because they were trying to push the big shows. And then the following year on CBS, Survivor, the Australian Outback, which was that I think was the, the premiere, wasn't it? Yeah, and I, and I think it was that was that's the a, second. It's season? a season premiere. It was the second season, but I mean, I think Jeff Probst like the then the Super Bowl end, and he like. He walked from the stadium to. I the, remember that to actually. The, to all to the. I, I didn't watch the episode, but I remember that thing with Probst. Yeah. So yeah, the year. I feel like. Did we watch that at Holly's house? I don't know. Maybe. I feel like that happened. Yeah, like after. Could have been. That was around two thousand one. That would have been the right time. Yeah, yeah, that was two thousand. So, two thousand two was back on Fox, and it was a an hour. It was a part one and two episode of Malcolm in the Middle. Malcolm in the Middle. So that's 2002, which that show was around for. Some of these, like I said, are, are actually successful. The year, year after that was on ABC, and it was an episode of Alias. Yeah. Phase one, is that the premiere? I don't think it so. Doesn't, it doesn't say premiere. So. I, I want to say it was like uh, like kind of a big deal episode, but it wasn't the premiere. It does rank as one of the lowest post-Super Bowl episodes 
Oh, that lowest that, rated that super pussy. Yeah. All right. After that, they were back on CBS and they had another premiere of um, Survivor. All Stars. Yeah, Survivor All Stars. And then let's see, 2005, Fox tried to recreate their thing where there was the pilot episode of American Dad, and another Simpsons episode. Yep. And then next year, you want to take this one, John? It's, it's Ryan's favorite. Ryan's Grey's favorite Anatomy. show, Grey's Anatomy. Oh God. It's the end of the world. Uh, like. Was was that the musical episode or what? What the fuck? I don't know. I don't watch that. Was that the one where one of the doctors sleeps with another doctor? It was a, it was the sixteenth episode of the second season. It was written by Shonda Rhimes. The Scrubs musical episode is way better than that. Mo- most things and it makes are. more sense. Fight us on that, Luke. Apparently, the episode began with a dream of Izzy, Christina, and Meredith and George all in the shower together. That sounds lovely. <laughs> I don't know. Like, oh, feels like the Super Bowl post the shows are just a lot of misses. I'm going through all this, and it just seems like it's progressively more like hit or miss. Yeah, it's like I feel like it's mostly misses. Because you got 2007 was Criminal Minds, which that I mean, that's that was on CBS for a long time. It was, but you know, like House was a long running show. That was 2008. The stress relief stress relief episode of The Office was a very popular. episode. Oh yeah, that but that was funny because of the the, the mic roast. Yeah, he I didn't, thought I remembered like Lost being tied into the Super Bowl, but apparently no, it was no Alias was as the other J.J. Abrams show. Um, the Voice premiered after the Super Bowl in 2012, and I mean that's that's the world of music was never the same. That's right. Um, elementary. I mean, you could definitely tell the the uh, networks trying to boost what they think is going to be like Glee. The big thing. Like Fox said in 2014, it was a back-to-back of an episode of New Girl in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Undercover Boss? Yeah. Like Fox premiered 24 Legacy, which I enjoyed, but yeah. that didn't really catch on. So here's what I get from this. I was right to never watch most of this stuff. Just go to ESPN and watch the follow-ups to the Super Bowl. Oh, you know what NBC did, though? In 2018, they did This Is Us. It is the... the how did Jack die? Episode apparently the crockpot thing. Apparently, the title of the episode is Super Bowl Sunday. Well, there you go. <laughs> they, they, it, they say it's no who killed Jr. It's not even a who shot Mr. Burns. I can't imagine <laughs> people would really want to watch much TV after the Super Bowl. No, I'm so worn out. Like it's I like was I'm, exhausted last night. Yeah, and I did go home and watch the Equalizer. So was I. I was worn out. Too much meat. Yeah. But, I mean, I guess if you think about it from the point of view of these um, networks, I mean, it's arguably the biggest TV event of the year. It is. So let's promote the hell out of, um, you know, our show. And even if you still stay up and watch it, you know it's coming on. they got to do better. Agreed. Um, Well, I mean, in 2020, they premiered The Masked Singer. (laughs) So, yes, I stand by our statement. That show's awful. It, it, it is still yeah. on, and apparently a lot of people like it. And now they're doing the mass Dancer. Yeah, Sandra loves that. I, I don't... I, okay. <laughs> Let's move on. Um, <laughs> we have to say goodbye to... This This one upsets me. Uh, Christopher Plummer passed away. Yeah. And uh, I will always remember him as the most badass Klingon ever with the <laughs> bolted-on eye patch. From one warrior to another. Shakespeare is better, though, when it's spoken in the original Klingon, but... Mm-hmm. <laughs> bang. Have you no decency, Kirk? We come here in peace, and you blatantly try to divide that peace. I will blow you out of the stars. He was really good in Dolores Claiborne, a very 
not a, not a I, I'd be hard pressed to find a performance he was not good in. Yeah, he always brings his A game. Even in the sound of music, he's Captain Von Trapp. You know, he's <laughs> wasn't are he was it Beginners where he was like the oldest Academy Award nominee, or oh, it was what was the one with Kevin Spacey where they recast him? Um, oh, that that was it. All the money in the world. All the money in the world. Wasn't he the oldest person to get nominated for an Oscar? Yeah, I think so. And I mean, just recently, Knives Out, in, right? In Knives yeah. Out, yeah. So he's he, really good in Knives Out. Just great actor. You can kind of understand too, like in Knives Out, like how lo- he he sold the lovableness of this mm-hmm. old man and how just nice he was. Yeah, and that's kind of. I feel Christopher Plummer was probably like that in real life. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he had been working for a long time. He will be missed. And now it is time to nominate this week's awesome villagers, gentlemen. Who are your nominees and why? Um, well, contrary to what you might expect, I am not going to nominate Tom Brady because I thought you were going to nominate everyone from. He's Maine. probably going to win the Super Bowl next year, so I'll, I'll give him a chance to nominate him then. Um, I'm actually going to nominate the Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach Bruce Arians for the fact that he has the most diverse coaching staff in the NFL. He's hired two women, first women on NFL staffs to win Super Bowls. He has so many minorities on his staff that in one of the post-game, I don't know if John, I don't know if you saw this, Byron Lefwich, the offensive coordinator, was doing the post-game uh, press conference you know, through virtual uh, stuff, interviews, and they actually confused him for Todd Bowles, the defensive coordinator, because... He has so many, you know, black. I think he has some Hispanic. He's got, he's got he's an amazing variety. Yeah. They they were asking him about how he shut down Patrick Mahomes and left, which is like, yeah, you got the wrong guy, man. I had nothing to do with that. <laughs> um, but but is Kevin Costner his general manager? What no, no, <laughs> not draft day. Pancake eating motherfucker. But um, he's a he's a very well liked coach. He he went to the Super Bowl with the Arizona Cardinals. They lost that game, but uh. You know, I mean, I know they're in the Saints division, and we don't like them. But you know, I'm going to give them props. I don't dislike the, the Panthers really. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I feel like it's you know, it's, it's still the Falcons. Oh yeah, yeah. We we don't we will never give them props. I used to not like the the Panthers too much because of Cam Newton, Cam. but now I can't I can't hate on Teddy Bridgewater, even though he's probably not going to yeah, be a quarterback this year. He's dead to me. <laughs> we need him now, and he's gone. Teddy. Yeah. We well, need you, Teddy. He might he might be a free agent again. I don't know. I don't think they're going to keep him. I'll go next. I'm going to nominate um, Alan Tudyk. Um, I thought he was hilarious in uh, the Resident Alien show and kind of gave a very dark yet funny performance. But, I mean, if you look at his filmography, he does a lot of voice work that I don't think he gets enough credit for. I mean, he was great as K2 in Rogue One, but, I mean, he did multiple voices in Frozen and Wreck-It Ralph, and um, he was hilarious in Dodgeball, and we loved him in Firefly and he was really a knight's tale a knight's tale yeah. that's right I was saying also voice work he was great in iRobot so um, mm-hmm. I did I, not murder him yeah I just he's just a very underrated guy I mean, yeah. me and Greg met him at Comic Con and, and he called Nathan Fillion yeah he called him on this on his speakerphone and he was he was very he was very nice and sweet like remember at the Q and A um, he mentioned how some of the autographs were very expensive so he was just signing random stuff in his bag for people like it was like. Academy Award screeners. He was just taking out and signing yeah. and giving the people. So um, I just always liked him. He's he's a he's a funny dude. So I'm yeah. gonna go with Alan Tudyk. I'm gonna go with Tom Hanks. Who's think, that guy? I think he's got a promising <clears throat> career ahead of him. And uh, no, it was uh, the news of the world was just I don't know. It wasn't really what I expected, I, and I, I I liked it more than I was expecting to. And I mean, 
most of that goes to, to Tom Hanks, and I mean, and the little girl that was in it with him. But I mean, the man Tom who played Hanks. old uh, old Josh Baskin. Yeah. Oh. I mean, he's just you know the bosom buddies. It's it's Hanks, and he brought it. So. Uh, I am going to nominate Paul Bettany um, because, like, I keep like, like you guys said earlier, I th- I feel like I'm on this journey as Vision in in the show, mm-hmm. um, and also he's been really selling for me that confusion and like I've I feel so sorry for the Vision, this android who's under the control of, of of the woman who's supposed to love him and he's supposed to you know love in return. And there was this one scene when they. And I kind of—it it was funny because it was—it was a very powerful scene, but at the same time, I felt almost like it was what we do in the shadows when they both levitated and were like, <laughs> yeah. staring at each other. <laughs> they should have started hissing at each other. Yeah, yeah. but it, like he—he's phenom- been a phenomenal in pretty much everything I've ever seen him in. But this—this yeah. this particular show, I'm very pleased to see what he does with this. Uh, yeah, I like that scene when they were having the argument as the credits were rolling. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, uh, so if you have to vote for someone other than your own, who would it be? I'm gonna go with the Tom Hanks guy. I'm gonna go with Alan Tudyk. I just. I love the other thing I remember at Comic-Con that I just kind of, I thought was just very memorable was remember when he was, we were in the panel and he was just talking about random things and answering questions and they had that little girl that got up who was like yes. three years old and she didn't even have a question. She got up there and just said, uh, what King, is Candy's King Candy is my favorite. And he just like, just like, just turned it on as King Candy from, and he's like, oh, well, thank you. That's so wonderful. And this little girl just like lit up like it was the greatest thing that ever happened to her. And I was like, that's, that's awesome that he can connect to people like that. Yeah, I, I that that was that was very sweet. I think I'm also gonna have to go with Alan Tudyk because, yeah, he, I, I going through that list that we just had, like I think that uh, all his entire range of form, but like yeah, him and I, robot too. I, I kept I remember watching the trailer and thinking it was uh, Niles from Frasier, but you know, like he, there to make me care about a, a computer generated robot. W- w- is a phenomenal you know work as an actor and just yeah, every, I, I can't wait to see this show, but. And talking about caring about robots, I was going to go with Bettany. Far out, man. So, Alan Tiddick, you can come and do any voice you want. Uh, maybe we can do dueling impressions. I'll do Cage. You do, you know, all of yours. On that Harley Quinn animated show, he does like 10 voices on it. Nice. All right. So. Remember, there are many ways that you can find us here at The Village. You can go to Anchor Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, basically wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, if you do listen to us, you're helping us out, as well as going to our website and reading the things that are on there. If you have any suggestions for things for us to talk about, please feel free to give us some feedback. Um, It's been another fun week. This has been Greg. John. Glenn. Ryan. We will see you next week.